Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you can pick up the audio-only live stream each and every day, as well as on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch TV and on the podcast, on Spotify and uh, TuneIn Radio and iTunes and Google Play and every place else. As well as broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Hello. <laughs> Good morning to you. It is Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Well, I could really use some tacos this morning. Hello and, uh, and welcome to it. Tuesdays are our deep dive days. That's a chance for uh, us to... Uh, dive deep into state business in a variety of ways and today is no different joining us in hour one it will be brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets alaskans for sustainable budgets will be coming on board to talk with us uh about um well a handful of things today including the yuppie view of fiscal responsibility, as well as what we see, and we talked about this yesterday, more pandering from the Alaska legislature. Oh, we'll get you that uh, that gas tax. We'll, we'll save you a whopping $40 a year. Again, I'm not opposed to the repeal uh, or remission or, you know, the, the suspension of any kind of tax. Don't get me wrong, but... $40 a piece. We're going to spend the next two weeks debating this, and then we'll tell you what a great job we did. Even though we could have been focusing on the PFD and other things, that's what we're going to do. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about that with Brad Keithley. And then we'll also talk about the oil wars and how they can affect us and uh, everything else. It's going to be a fantastic, dare I say, a fabulous show. Fabulous show. I'm really setting the bar high today. Setting the bar high, um, which, I mean, is always dangerous on this program, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to say that it is, <laughs> we're going to say that it's it's going to be great. Um, then in hour two, we'll have some phone calls probably in the first segment. Uh, see where you guys, uh, you know, what you guys want to say, where you guys want to go, and then we will... Uh, dive into it with uh, Chris Story, who's going to come in and be our positivity guru. He's going to be our life coach, and he's going to tell us exactly how we need to, or exactly what we need to do to make our lives better, 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 better. So, I mean, and and I need that reminder at least once a week as to how we can make our lives better. I'll just be honest with you. That's definitely what uh, what we need. 
Um, I will briefly, uh, just because I find it interesting, normally I'm not paying that much of attention to national politics or international politics simply because uh, it can't affect a thing, so why occupy my brain power with it? I mean, I get the highlights, you know, I get some of the... I get some of the little tidbits, but uh, of course, with the uh, Ukrainian-Russian war, I'm kind of always, you know, I'm kind of always watching what's going on and uh, just at least keeping my eye on it. I had to, uh, I had to uh, uh, a chuckle at the new headline on Drudge this morning: Russians could buckle in ten days. That's what the headline reads right now. Uh, it's actually from the uh, UK Sun. Um, uh, well, I guess it's the U.S. Sun now. They've got a they've got an American outlet for it. But anyway, Russians could buckle in ten days as Ukraine claims to have killed thirteen thousand five hundred troops and destroyed hundreds of tanks and jets. Um, I mean, if it's true, awesome. If not, I don't know what to say. But we are all kind of watching this stuff. With uh, I mean, things are starting to even break down in Russia. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a uh, anti-war protester uh, protester crashed the uh, Russian TV broadcast, uh, stood behind one of the presenters with a big sign that says, uh, the war is a lie, no war, uh, this is, you know, illegal, blah, 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 And now they can't, now they can't find that person. I mean, they apparently, apparently the FSB is just as good as the GRU, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, or the KGB uh, in disappearing people. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens with this. We're watching, uh, but we're we're kind of watching this in the background. And so your thoughts on this today would also be interesting. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say on this. I've seen a lot of armchair generals um, go to work on the analysis of this. Um, I've kind of held my peace, just kind of reading everything I can get my hands on in regards to the tactics of it. Uh, because I find it fascinating uh, more than anything else. Not that I can do anything about it, but that I do find the whole process, um, uh, again, just kind of you know, morbidly fascinating to watch this uh, unfold, to see what uh, you know communism and an oligarchy can give you in, uh, in short order. Um, so anyway, that was one of the headlines that I just kind of caught my eye uh, this morning. Uh, some other things happening uh, around the state. An interesting thing, and I noticed that the ADN did not pick up on this. Um, I, I find the while I mean I while I appreciate a lot of the reporting that the ADN gives us. I will be honest with you, especially in regards to um, especially in regards to what's going on in the legislature. I find their I find their reporting to be kind of myopic. They don't they don't really seem to. Uh, they don't really seem to dive into uh, some of the deeper ends of the pool and some of the fringe stuff. It, you know, they, they will focus on like, you know, something that's, you know, they, they talked about the $1,300 fuel, uh, excuse me, energy rebate. They talked about the fuel tax. They've talked about a few things. But there's some other things that they, I don't know, they just kind of brush by. Um, and thank goodness there's people like Suzanne Downing of the Alaska Landmine and to a lesser extent, even Jeff Landfield over at the Alaska Landmine. Uh, who are pointing out some of these uh, some of these things, but uh, one of the things that came up was that uh, this week the Senate Finance is going to take up SB 26. No, 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 not the SB 26 that 
we all recall SB 26 being the percent of market value thing with the PFD. Boy, I'd like for them to take that. I'd I'd love to. <laughs> I would love for them to take that up. Um, but no, this is the new SB 26, which repeals the state's certificate of need program for healthcare facilities. Now, uh, Senator Wilson of Wasilla introduced the bill last year, and it received an extra committee referral from Senate President Peter Machicki because, well, I don't know. Did he get a donation from a hospital association? I'm just asking. Why would you give it an extra committee referral? Maybe it needed extra vetting. Anyway, for those of you who don't know what the Certificate of Need program, it's basically where any kind of healthcare operation or doctor or a company that wants to expand any kind of healthcare, whether that's an uh, you know a, an imaging center where they want to take extra you know MRIs or X-rays, or whether it's a surgery center that's outside of the current you know uh, clinic or hospital structure, they've got to go to the state of Alaska and beg permission. And then they've got to receive this certificate of need. It limits what can be built or bought or anything else. Now, having been a um, having been a uh, a person who was deeply involved in the whole certificate of need process in Fairbanks, um, and 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 somebody and having seen some of the just the corrupt practices that uh, have gone on there to try and prevent people from being able to get around or to supersede the certificate of need. I have to say that this is a bill that is well overdue. The certificate of need program started back in the 70s. It was mandated by the th- by the federal government. The idea was, of course, well, you know, we need to plan the we need to plan the uh, the 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 medical and the healthcare uh, you know, uh, systems around any community that'll make it, you know, like central planning has ever worked out for a government. The government's going to decide what's the best for you, not what the free market will bear or anything else. Um, due to the anti-competitive nature of certificate of needs and the fact that they weren't making healthcare cheaper, in fact, they were driving the costs up. Congress repealed the CON mandate in 1987. Now, so I mean, it was, you know, just just over a dozen years and they were like, nope, this didn't work. And so they repealed it. Twelve states have fully repealed their CON laws. Uh, three states don't even have any laws like that on the books anymore. And 35 states continue to operate with some version of the CON. This is like the programs that can just never go away. They can never be killed. Once they're instituted, they can never be killed. I mean, even Congress, the, I mean, just think about that. The United States Congress said that it's anti-competitive and driving up health care costs, and so they repealed it. And yet the states just continued blithely on. I watched this fight go on in Fairbanks for quite a few years. Um, and remember, uh, the uh, surgery center up there, uh, Dr. Wade and his uh, group that put together, and they finally were able to force through the construction of the surgery center. And, you know, it dropped the costs of surgery uh, my wife had knee surgery there about, I don't know, it must have been 15 years ago now. She had knee surgery there, and it was $20,000 less by going to the surgery center than it was going to the Fairbanks Memorial Hospital. And I think she got a better quality of care. 
We saw the same thing happening with imaging, where the only imaging available for MRIs and CAT scans and things like that was at the hospital. And yet uh, they finally were able to get some imaging centers in there and they dropped the cost precipitously, giving Alaskans a choice. I always believe a choice is better. And so here we have this certificate of need program, uh, this bill that would reverse it and pull it out. Now, the problem, of course, is is that it's going to face some superb opposition from the hospital lobby. The hospital lobby is going to be all over this because, hey, they don't like competition. According to the statement from David Wilson, the senator who put this together, he said Alaska would have 11 additional hospitals, including eight additional rural hospitals, if not for the CON restrictions. He said, quote, this additional capacity would have been a great help throughout the COVID pandemic, which has seen hospitals running over capacity and unable to provide a full range of medical procedures to patients. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. If you, I mean, more choice is always better, my friends, than less choice. Am I right? So I would really like to see SB 26, this certificate of need repeal, uh, actually go somewhere. And maybe next time we have uh, Senator Machiki on, we'll ask him why it received an extra com- a committee referral um, back in uh, February. Why? What, what was the why? What's the point of that? Maybe give me an explanation as to what's going on there. All right. Um, well, wow, I just ran the clock out right to the right to the wall here. And I've got one line on hold. I don't know who's calling in, but uh, we've got Brad Keithley coming up. So we're going to be diving into it with Brad Keithley here in just a hot second. So we'll continue the weekly top three dead ahead. I didn't even get it. Ch- I wanted to talk about this yuppie view of fiscal responsibility. That's the new opinion piece from the ADN board. By the way, if you haven't seen it, what happened to fiscal responsibility? They even actually quote the program. I mean, they don't actually quote me, quote me, but they it's pretty obvious somebody's been listening to the program and starting to quote th- stuff out. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Brad Keithley up next, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. All right, we're in the break right now. Uh, before we get Brad set up, I guess we'll go to this call real quick and see what uh, what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Hey, Jeff. I'm up yeah. hospital mm-hmm. this morning, and uh, I know for a fact, I know a lady that asked me about a lawyer. Um, her husband died with some circumstances that were pretty pretty bad in Providence, and uh, um, I was going to use their name on the radio. But uh, she's found out through trying and searching for a lawyer that nobody, I mean nobody, anywhere, and I gave her some good sources out of state, will sue Providence Hospital. They, they hang up on her. They won't. They tell them, no, can't do it. Uh, there's, there's, they have done something that's political, I'm sure, and it's very, very fishy. 
you know, it'd be one thing if they said, well, we'd have to look at this case and blah, 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 and talk to him. No. Right. She can't even get them to talk to her. Right. The lawyers. They're scared of Providence Hospital. So something, I mean, that's big. Right. It's, it's, it goes to the well, U.S. government. I would say it goes to the federal government because you can't sue this one down here either. Right. So I haven't checked on any other ones. Well, let's. It's, uh, it's a bad thing. Jeff, do me a favor. Let's pick this back up after Brad's done because I would like to discuss this. This is a little bit of a passion project for me. I would like to discuss it. Quick question, right. though, before I let you go. Can you hear everything when you're on hold? Could you hear me yeah. talking and everything? No echo, no yeah. feedback, echo. no nothing else? No, but the radio is buzzing this morning, but that's probably in the wires or the transmission. Okay, somewhere. okay. They changed something in my little phone thing here that I use, and so I was a little confused because they changed the interface completely this morning, so I was a little lost. I just want to make sure that everything's working good on your end. So that was uh, that was my no, main working point. working good. I, I can hear it. Okay. It's better than the radio. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will uh, we'll we'll listen for you at the fr- at the top of the next hour, Jeff. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, look at that. I don't even have to confirm that uh, I was uh, ready to go. Okay. Um, yeah, they totally changed my whole the whole thing is just is totally is totally weird. All right. Let me. Um, I got to get Brad. I got to get Brad up here before we get too along too far, because otherwise it'll sneak up on me, and I won't. Uh, I won't uh, be ready to go. See, I need this one right here. I got about a million million hoops I got to jump through this morning to make sure that I got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, over here. Okay. Uh, be to calendar. Okay. All right. I think. I think. I got it uh, going on. Let's uh, let's try this. And see if we can get uh, Brad Keithley up and ready to go. Uh, Over here. Open. Okay. I think we will have uh, Brad Keithley up here in just a hot second. Um, Oof, man, this thing takes forever. Uh, Okay. Uh, I want to do that. And uh, the host will let me in soon, it says. So Brad, oop, and now it's connecting. So I think Brad was ready, willing, and able to be waiting for me there. Uh, Join with computer audio. That's me. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, looks like um, looks like Brad is uh, on board with us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Good, good. I, I discovered how we screwed up. Uh, we were We peeled over this thing last week with the engineer after the show when we lost the audio and I figured out that there was a small little setting that I had to uncheck that zoom <laughs> zoom took control of the whole computer at one point so we should be good to go here and uh uh we should be oh look at that you're even you're even good so all right so if you're ready I'm ready we're going to be right back to you here in just a hot second okay great all right Brad Keithley our guest Alaskans for sustainable budgets uh, let me check the chat room here. I got about 45 seconds. Um, Brian says, I already know the answer already. That was to my, when I said, I, we should ask Peter Michicki, uh, what, why, why the extra referral? He says, that's just the way things work, Michael. <laughs> He's not wrong. That certificate of need is a train wreck. And, uh, I mean, we could do a whole show just on that. I have done whole shows just on that. It's pretty amazing stuff. All right, like and share this morning. If you would, like and share the video. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's get it done. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
All right. Uh, Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and it's Tuesday. That means our weekly deep dive. And I kind of wanted to get into this before I brought Brad on, but I got stuck on the whole certificate of need thing because it's such a pet peeve of mine. Uh, But I I did want to read this opinion piece from the ADN editorial board. It's going to be number one on Brad's weekly top three. Brad Keithley joins us right now from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Good morning, my friend. Michael, how are you today? You know, I'm good. Uh, so I got was e- apparently I'm the, like the squirrel shiny object. As soon as I got distracted by the one thing, but uh, I <laughs> well, do- you get you get on these rolls. You get this passion. So. I do. Well, you know, the passion is important. I got to be honest. The passion is important sometimes, but there are certain things that just just flip my switch. And that certificate of need thing. After I saw how many people were suffering. Uh, in Fairbanks because of the lack of healthcare choice and people who were flying outside and doing all this other I mean it was just it was it was frustrating to watch so anyway uh, before we get too wrapped up in that let's dive into the weekly top three so first and foremost this uh, editorial from the ADN board which uh, boy I've got some things to say about this they obviously are listening to the program uh, they quote me without actually quoting me. I mean, maybe somebody else is saying this, but I haven't heard a whole lot of other people say it. But let's talk about it. You call this the yuppie view on fiscal responsibility. Yeah, so this uh, ADN editorial, which ran, which goes back to March 5th, I think it was, has the headline, What Happened to Fiscal Responsibility? And it is uh, from the ADN uh, uh, editorial board. It's not, a, it's not an outside opinion writer. It's uh, from the editorial board itself. Um, and the and the the sum and total of the argument is that they're objecting to even the energy relief component uh, of uh, of the payments to uh, Alaska residents that uh, that the House uh, uh, Ways House Ways and Means well no House uh, Finance Committee has come up with as a way of uh, as a way of supplementing uh, the PFD. It's a way of getting to POMB fifty fifty PFD without. Uh, actually saying that's uh, that's what you're doing. And and this editorial is objecting even to that, arguing that the money would be better used, uh, reinvested instead of instead of instead of paying out the energy relief, uh, reinvested back into uh, back into either the CBR or the permanent fund corpus itself uh, and set up to uh, produce more earnings. And, and they go on and they talk about uh, what the what the interest could be or what the earnings could be on that money if it were reinvested and what it could pay for down the road. This is this is uh, this is part of a movement that I hear about occasionally, uh, particularly among ya- uh, Anchorage young urban professionals, yuppies, uh, about you know really what we ought to be doing is not paying out the PFD. We ought to be building up the permanent fund and we ought to be building it up there. They have a target. They want to get the permanent fund to $100 billion. And then what the permanent and then their vision is what the permanent fund can do is spin off enough money, enough earnings to pay for the budget uh, without having to rely on oil. Um, And so it's sort of this it's this goal of getting the permanent fund built up to a point where it sort of funds the ultimate trust fund baby right right it ultimately right. funds all of uh, alaska yeah uh, for uh, uh, on out into the future the problem with that is is let's just take three seconds to analyze who's paying for that yuppie nirvana it is middle and lower income alaska families not only now who take who take lower pfds in order to fund this yuppie nirvana 
but it's middle and lower income Alaska families. Once we get to the yuppie nirvana, who continue to fund it because you take all of the earnings, virtually all the earnings, and you use it to fund government. The goal is, uh, and they're 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 upfront about this because I don't think they understand what they're saying. Right. The goal is to never pay taxes, not pay taxes now by using by using the PFD, diverting the PFD to government uh, instead of instead of other alternative revenue measures, um, and and not pay taxes in the future by diverting the permanent fund earnings to government and not having to fund it through alternative revenue measures. And the reason I call it the yuppie nirvana is because the only people who benefit from that are the top 20% who, who are better off using PFD cuts to fund government than they are alternative, uh, alternative uh, uh, revenue mechanisms. It, it is, uh, and so the, the people who you find like, like the, like the, like the, ADN editorial writer, the people who you find who advocate this are people who either now or visualize themselves in a few years being in the top 20%, well into the top 20%, and being one of the beneficiaries of diverting the permanent fund dividend uh, off, to, uh, off to pay for government. And it's really, I mean, it's when I talk to somebody, uh, uh, there's an there's a Anchorage assemblyman that I've talked to about this uh, on, on a number of occasions. And when you talk to somebody, they go, oh, my gosh, you know, we can have we can have free government forever uh, if we just get to this hundred billion dollar mark. Well, yeah, but whose pocket are you taking that out of? Who is paying? Nothing comes free. Who is paying for this for this nirvana <laughs> of free government forever? Well, it's middle and lower income Alaska families. Oh, well, I never thought of it that way. You know, yeah. it's just it's it, I don't think they understand. They just have got this vision of we're going to build the PFD up to one hundred billion dollars. And, and, you know, the angels are going to appear in the sky and, you know, the bluebirds are going to sing all day long and, and we're going to have this, we're going to have this great government going forward. And that's what, that's what this, this that's what this op-ed is driving at. This op-ed right. is saying, don't spend money on current Alaska families. Don't distribute uh, a portion of the earnings to current Alaska families, reinvest it and, and get that permanent fund balance up and get those earnings up. So we, when we get to be the top twenty percent in in a few years, we don't ever have to pay for government, and we get to we get to continue on down the road. Right. It's it's just it's 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 you know I would I've never talked to anybody in the bush who thinks about it this way. I've never talked to anybody even in Fairbanks who thinks about it this way. It's the Anchorage young professionals, young urban professionals who uh, who are who are who have this vision and keep driving toward it. Right. And, and again, they ignore realities. I mean, there's some quotes in here. First of all, uh, it, it just some of them just blow my mind. I'm hoping that we won't get too much into wanting to spend and maybe put more towards savings. Representative Neil Foster said a week ago, signal, signaling admirable restraint after years of tight budgets. Where have they been in all the years since 2015 or 2010, 2012 that we've been spending like drunken sailors? I mean, have we cut back? Yes, we've had to. But overall, we're still spending more than we should. But it's admirable restraint. You know, and then they quote uh, Adam Wool. You know, I'd rather not be like drunken sailors and give a big fat PFD. But he's okay with being a drunken sailor and spending all the money on state government. As long as it goes to government, it's good. If it goes to the people, it's bad. Yeah, well, I mean, Adam, Adam is sort of like the, the the old yuppie, right? I mean, Adam is one of those who who doesn't want to pay taxes, 
uh, wants to take the money out of hand out of the hands of middle and lower income Alaska families. I mean, they're they're afraid to pay taxes. They're afraid to you to to fund government by taxes because then they know the top twenty percent is going to focus on government, and then they know that all of the ways that they that they that they have raised the cost of government and all the all of the things that they've done for increased government are going to come under scrutiny by people who can actually do something about it. People who can actually put rep pressure on the representative, the top 20%, people can actually put pressure on the, on the, on the representatives because that's the donor class. They're, they are scared of taxes, not because, not because, well, in part because they don't want to pay them themselves, but they're also scared of it because then they'd have people scrutinize the government programs in a way that, uh, that, that something could actually be done about it. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> It, 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 you know, it, it, it has this allure to, you know, to the, to the young professionals that I talk about, about, oh my gosh, if we could just get to this hundred billion dollars, everything's going to be okay. We'll never have to have taxes in the state. And they just don't think about who is paying for this nirvana uh, that they're trying to build. Not only who is paying now for this nirvana in terms of people that, that won't get the PFD, that should get the PFD because they're they want to reinvest the money, but people, when they get to the Nirvana, who are going to continue to have their PFDs cut because they need to take all the money at that point uh, to help uh, to help fund government. So it's a it, it, it's a humorous in a way uh, position that that I hear uh, people argue, uh, but it's disappointing uh, also in the in the number of uh, people who buy into this. I mean, it's like it's like none of our young urban professionals in Anchorage have taken economics classes. They don't understand <laughs> that, that, that somebody's got to pay for this nirvana that they're trying to build, and they don't think through who it is that's paying for it. All right, so two points before we move on, just that I want to make really quickly. First of all, and Sandy makes this point in the chat room as well, uh, I think that there's a whole bunch of naivete uh, amongst these uh, yuppies uh, and urban professionals who keep saying, oh, we'll get to that $100 billion and then government will be fully funded and it'll be fine. Not if the track record of spending in this government is any clue. The spending will just increase to consume all the money and then more. They'll want more because that's historically what's happened here. This is the whole argument about, you know, well, we'll give them some taxes and it'll all be fine. They're going to spend every dollar and then some, whatever they can do. It will always be some kind of fiscal crisis. That's my first point. The second point, Rob Myers in the chat room, Senator Myers says, when they fund government from Wall Street, the government will care what Wall Street thinks, not what Alaskans think. And that's something that nobody's ever really touched on as well. Your thoughts before we move on? Well, it's, it's I mean, do we think about what the oil companies, have we thought about what the oil companies think uh, in the past? Uh, yeah, we have. So, I mean, it's a good point to uh, uh, to say that we'll, uh, that the government will now care about uh care about Wall Street. But it's just, it's it's the, I mean, my fund, what I want to go back to is my fundamental point is that it's these young urban professionals in Anchorage that think they've got, you know, the clue to free money, the clue to, the, the clue to, to uh, you know, never having to pay for government uh, uh, themselves. And, and they don't understand that it's on somebody's back. They're always doing it on somebody's back. Somebody's going to pay and the people who are going to pay are middle, even upper middle, uh, income Alaska families uh, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of PFD cuts. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, number two is on the way. Give me uh, give me a quick tease here before we take a break. Well, it sounds like you covered it uh, some yesterday. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the gasoline tax and uh, and what I think is uh, is missing. 
again, you know, when I read some of the reactions to it and some of the comments for it and some of the support for it, particularly from the governor and others, you know, my, my first reaction is, do you guys not, has no one taken an economics course? Because again, somebody's got to pay. I mean, there's nothing free in this world, right? If you cut back on revenue from uh, the gasoline tax, somebody's going to pay. And we're going to talk, and I want to talk about that. Bread and circuses, my friend. Bread and circuses. That's kind of my feel on this whole thing. We'll talk about that in just another minute. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. Number two and number three coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break uh, with Brad Keithley right now, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, We're going to uh, hit the chat room real quick here. I'm making a couple quick changes to something, see if I can get some of the... See if I can get some of the uh, crackling. There's a little bit of crackling going on here because I think there's uh, too much, <clears throat> too much being loaded on one side of the computer. All right, I think I got it. We'll see how that does. Brad, um, <laughs> somebody just said I just trolled one of Brad's Facebook posts regarding the gas tax. Look, I mean, I as I said before, anytime we can suspend a tax uh, or hiatus it or holiday it or whatever, I'm in favor of that. I mean, generally speaking, just as a general rule. Because taxation is theft, and and I I mean I fully believe that in my heart of hearts, um, but uh, you know I, again I don't think that th- this is just basically as I said earlier the bread and circuses um, effect where essentially uh, they're oh look at the shiny object over here we'll give you the gas tax we'll give you the thirteen hundred dollar energy rebate we'll do look at all the things we're going to give you this is the shiny toys for election season and uh, I guess Brad I don't want to get into this too much before we jump back into the uh, Jump back onto the radio, but uh, you know your your early thought on that, I guess, before we move on here. Well, it's a diversion, right? I mean, they're still cutting uh, more than a billion dollars from the PFD. I mean, the POMB fifty fifty compared to this year's statutory PFD is is a billion dollars uh, less, um, and so it's it's a diversion. It's, it's look at all the good things we're doing for for you, all the pandering we're doing for you. We're going to give you this energy this energy relief, you know, we don't really need to do that, but we're going to do that because we're good guys. We're going to suspend the gas tax. We don't really need to do that, but we're going to do that because, because we're good guys, but don't look over here. I mean, as you say, it's sort of the squirrel thing. Don't look over here where we're cutting a billion dollars out of the, uh, out of the, out of the statutory PFD. And it's not just the legislature. It's the governor. I mean, the governor's cutting a billion dollars out of the, out of the statutory PFD. The governor right. is arguing for a, uh, for a, a suspension of the gas tax. So, it's it's it, it is the ultimate squirrel in the sense of you look at all the good things we're doing for you, but don't look over here at the at the very very bad thing that we're doing to you. Right. Well, I mean, I will say again, <clears throat> if they could pass a gas tax, I'm all for it. If they can if they can give us uh, a thirteen hundred dollar energy rebate or whatever they want to call it, I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, I think because that's a way. To, now, it's not the idea. What I'd really like to see is a full statutory PFD, which would be more than the thirteen hundred dollars. But it's just, you know, it's not going to happen right now. I will take anything that they will give, but I also understand while I'm taking it that it is a distraction, that it is nothing more than an obfuscation of pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I mean, that's exactly what it is. 
Well, Michael, we're going to talk about this when we get back when we get back on the air. But the gas tax, they're not giving you anything. They're 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 giving it in one sense. They're giving money to you in one sense, but they're going to have to take it away. I mean, uh, government budgeting is a, is a zero sum game. So if you give up revenue one place, you're going to have to take revenue back either this year or in or in subsequent years someplace else. And 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 where where is that additional revenue going to come from? Where is the makeup revenue going to come from? Well, it's going to come from PFD cuts. And and when it comes from PFD cuts, they're going to it, the, the PFD cuts are a more aggressive tax than even than even the gasoline tax. So they're going to take it more from middle and lower income Alaska families when they when they take it back uh, than than they're than they're giving than they're giving you back. It's a it's a con game. There is no there is no free tax relief that you're getting out of out of the gasoline tax. The bottom line is is that Alaskans, uh, you know, we're getting the government we deserve, not necessarily the one we want. Um, we're getting the government we deserve, and since we're not paying for it, everybody seems to be fat and happy. I mean, we are paying for it. We just don't see it in the form of stealth taxes, whether it's the original royalty going straight to the state and bypassing us, or whether it's the uh, <clears throat> or whether it's the taking of the PFD. Either one of those things. There's still a stealth tax that we're that we're being charged. And so many people just wander around going, oh, at least I don't have to pay state taxes. You know, at least I don't have to pay state taxes, you know. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's it's frustrating. All right. Uh, Brad Keithley, <clears throat> excuse me, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to dive back into this here with him here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> the Alaska legislature playing a con game. What's new? I mean, it, it, this is the same game we've been playing in the state legislature for well, 50, 60 years now. I mean, ever since we got that first royalty check and they burned through it so fast, made drunken sailors look sober. Uh, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, please do me a favor, my friends. Would you like and share this show? Like and share. Uh, get other people involved in the conversation. Uh, would you like and follow? There's only seven shares. There's only seven likes, I mean. Seven likes. I can't see the shares now, but I can see the likes. Um, uh, but there's only seven likes. You just don't like me. Is that I'm now I'm offended. Uh, 30 people in the chat room, no likes. I mean, what, what's going on? Don't forget to like and follow the show page as well. And don't forget to also hit the subscribe button and ring the bell on YouTube. It's what it's all about. All right, my friends diving back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Let's do it. All right. Uh, continuing now, uh, jumping into the weekly top three, it is our guest, Brad Keithley, who is the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes on board. We're diving into number two, which is the uh, the new gas tax revocation or suspension that they're talking about, uh, which <clears throat> we talked about yesterday on the show pretty extensively, the bread and circuses routine. Um, uh, but Brad, uh, is taking a little bit of, uh, he's taking a little bit of, uh, uncture with what I just said, which I basically said, I'll take any suspension attacks you want to give me. I'll take any of that. I'll take the rebate. I'll take the gas tax suspension. Uh, anything that we can do in that regard to starve the government of some money is good in my opinion, but your argument is Brad, that it's got to come from somewhere. Hit us with number two. 
oh, well, we're not suspending. We're, we're, we're not reducing government. I mean, that's the thing. The governor announced uh, the suspension of, his support for suspension of the gas tax. Probably half the legislature by now has, has supported uh, suspension of the gas tax. But no one has said, and because we're going to have less revenue, we're going to have to reduce spending over here. No one has said that. There's no, there's no offset uh, 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 being proposed for the reduction in revenues that are going to be represented by the gas tax. So, so what's going to happen? If you don't have a reduction in spending, then you're going to have to make up that revenue at some point. Now, maybe we can draw it out of savings this year, or maybe you know, we'll just draw it out of the surplus that's being built up by oil prices. But at some point, by not having offset the reduction in revenue with a reduction in spending, at some point, you're going to have to make up for it. And what's the marginal source of revenue in this state, at least right now, it's PFD cuts. So what's going to happen ultimately is, is yes, everybody's pandering. Yes, they're going to look out for you. Yes, they're going to give you, what, $40, an average of $40 per year and reduce gasoline taxes. Whoopee. Oh my, Oh my gosh, isn't that great? But guess what? At some point, somebody's going to have to make up that revenue. The government's going to have to make up that revenue. As long as the marginal source of revenue is additional PFD cuts, that's where it's going to come from. So who is really paying for the reduction in the gas tax? Middle and lower income Alaska families at some point uh, through, uh, through additional, uh, additional PFD cuts. It, it is, it is pandering, pandering of the worst sort to go out there and say, we're going we're gonna to reduce your costs. We're going to reduce your revenue on the one hand, not reduce state spending, and then ultimately, you know, come back and grab it out of your pockets. A lot of people oppose the gas tax. A lot of people uh, uh, raise issues about the gas tax because it's regressive, right? It hits it hits middle and lower income Alaska families harder as a share of income, right? Than it does than it does upper income families. Well, guess guess what? There's one more regressive, even more regressive tax uh, when you look at the numbers. One more regressive tax. Uh, than, than the gasoline tax. It's PFD cuts. So we're replacing one, one regressive tax with, with layering by, by, by another even more regressive tax uh, on top of it. If the governor had said, if the governor said, we're going to reduce the gasoline tax because, because we think it's an unfair burden. And because of that, we're going to reduce spending over here by the equivalent amount so that it won't come out of anybody else's pocket. We're going to take it out of government's pocket. If he had said that, Great. I'm all for it. But that's not what he said. That's not what any legislator has said. They've just said, we're going to give you, we're, we're not going to charge you this money. We're going to have less revenue in the government, but we're not going to cut spending. So we're going to have to make up that revenue somewhere on down the road. It, it, it is, it is, again, I have to ask the question sometimes, has anybody in this government taken economics? Because it's just fundamental economics. If you cut revenue, you don't cut spending. You're going to have to make it up with additional revenue from someplace else. So, Brad, your answer to this obviously would be if, if we pay a full statutory PFD, then people that there goes your energy rebate. There goes your gas tax. Right. I mean, that offset $40 a year per person. OK, great. So my family, you know, we get an extra two hundred dollars a year or something, two hundred and thirty dollars a year. Uh, congratulations, you know, uh, on that versus, you know, what if we all got our $4,200 dividend and then it would really put the squeeze on government to try and do well with what's remaining, right? I mean, that's really the point here. Yeah, yeah. I, but but it, 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 the point is you nothing's free in government. It's a zero-sum game. Nothing's free. You reduce revenue 
one place. If you don't cut spending, you have to you have to make up the revenue. You have to make up the revenue someplace else. Um, so again, bread and circuses. That's really, I think, again, this this goes back to the whole again shiny shiny thing. Uh, look at what we're doing here. We're gonna and these are. Uh, I think blatantly, and I think I said this during the break, but these are all blatantly the shiny toys of re-election season. Look at what we gave you. We gave you a $1,300 energy rebate. Look at, I mean, look at us, pound our chest. And we gave you a suspension of your gas tax, which saves you a whopping $40 a year. But we did spend $2,400 of your dividend. I mean, but don't pay attention to that at all. Exactly. Exactly. And there's no trans. I mean, this could go back to a number of our conversations. There's no transparency, transparency in the legislature that lets you know that's what's happening. Right. Ledge finance doesn't do the analysis on where the money's coming from in terms of PFD cuts. They don't do the analysis on who's paying for government, who's paying for your gas tax uh, uh, relief uh, in terms of in terms of increased uh, PFD cuts. They don't do the analysis of who's paying for it. So it, it is all, it's, it's all a diversion. I mean, it's, look at it, ultimate game of squirrel, shiny new toys, but don't look behind the curtain. Don't look at, don't look at what we're doing uh, uh, behind the curtain. All right. Well, let's, uh, that's number two, again, bread and circuses and a more regression and somebody's got to pay for it. And why don't we just get our full PFD? I think that sums up number two uh, fairly well. Let's move right on to number three, where we're going to talk about the oil wars and how they affect us here in the state of Alaska and what the goods and the bads and everything else. What's what's going on here? Nat Hertz has what to me as a as a, a former oil lawyer is what is a great column or a great article uh, in yesterday's or two days ago, ADM. Uh, the headline is Alaska's next big North Slope oil project is mired in a feud with ConocoPhillips and reportedly for sale. And this focuses on PICA, on oil searches, uh, now Santos's uh, PICA project, uh, and, a, and a, a, a dispute that's going on between, between oil search with respect to the PICA project and Conco over access to roads uh, on, uh, uh, on, on state lands. I mean, state, state surfaces, uh, but they are state services that Conoco has the mineral lease, uh, mineral lease rights on. And, and, and basically, this is what I spent, frankly, a big part of my career on these, these as an oil lawyer, these intra-producer battles where one producer tries to get leverage over another producer. Um, uh, in the old days, it used to be about facility sharing. It used to be about, uh, I remember that uh, 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 one producer uh, on the North Slope wanted access to the gathering system that Conoco's built for uh, the park field. Uh, and the Alpine field in order to bring their oil uh, off of their uh, off of their project uh, uh, through the Conoco system and, and ultimately get it into taps. Conoco, uh, just just the same as is going on here, Conoco uh, objected to that, wanted to charge an arm and a leg for it. And ultimately, the producer would have had to build a duplicate system, duplicate to Conoco's to build to, to be able right. to get its oil off of off of the uh, the slope. The economics of that were horrible. They 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 really worked against the interests of the of the economics of the field they were trying to develop, um, and and ultimately that producer didn't develop that prospect because they couldn't get aspect because the economics didn't work uh, uh, when they couldn't get ac access to uh, Conoco's system. What Conoco's defense is in that case, and what Conoco's defense is here, is hey, we build it, 
you know, we, we, we invest our money in it. We use it. We want to have the flexibility to use it in whatever fashion we want to use it. If you want access to it, you know, like a toll road, we're going to charge you for access. And what Conoco's calculation starts at when they, when they look at the charges is not what it costs them to build the facility, but what it would cost their, the, the person asking for access, what it would cost the person asking for access, what, the, what, what they would have to spend to build, to build a, a, a duplicate facility right. uh, if Conoco, Conoco didn't give them access. And then a penny less than that in order to provide an incentive to use Conoco's facility as opposed to having to build a duplicate facility. But but that makes a lot of field economics, a lot of on the on the North Slope, a lot of field economics uh, uh, very difficult. And what this article is going into is a discussion of how that 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 uh, 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 back and forth between Conoco and all search is affecting the development, is affecting the economics of the PICA project uh, and potentially uh, undermining the, uh, the economics of the PICA project. These are important issues. And, and the state has a role in these issues because we're talking about surface, we're talking about state lands. All of these right. facilities are on state lands. And the question is, the question is whether the government ought to play a more active role. The reason this was, the reason that this constituted a large part of my career is because the government very rarely stepped in. They let the, the they let the private parties fight it out, and that's you know you can understand that to a point. But when it comes to the point of making projects North Slope projects uneconomic uh, because the parties can't agree on a on a price that for the access to the facilities that that make you know new projects economic. When it comes to the point of making new projects economic, I think there's a role for government to step in. It, it is not just the Dunleavy administration. It's, it's, it was the Walker administration before it, the pay, or the, the Parnell administration before it, the Palin administration before it, the Murkowski administration before it. it it's been this laissez-faire attitude of government has been consistent uh, uh, throughout uh, throughout the decades that we've had uh, the North Slope under development. Well, and, and but it, I, is, it is hurting North Slope development. Well, and I would argue that, I mean, as owners, uh, I mean, let's just say this was Texas or North Dakota. If I own the land and somebody came in and, and I'd, I'd lease the land to them to develop the to develop the uh, the, the minerals or the or the oil, um, I sure as hell would have a say if there was another player that wanted to come in and develop another patch. And couldn't do it because somebody didn't want them to play ball and they wanted to rebuild the duplicate the entire infrastructure. That makes no sense. I think as an owner, I would have a say in that. The state should have a say in that to say, let's be reasonable. Fair market value is fair market value, not this full cost less than one penny. That's ridiculous at that point. Uh we got about well, 30 seconds. Well, the state does have a role to play in it, but but they very seldom step into it. And they and they re, the reason the state doesn't want to get between producers. The state wants producers to work it out for themselves. But sometimes sometimes that doesn't happen, and sometimes it gets away, gets in the way of development. Nat's article indicates appears to indicate that this is one of those times it's getting in the way of development. And I'll be following this to see how it how how it right. continues to play out. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're out of time. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Um. Yeah, I mean, Brad. Again, I'm not a I'm not a huge proponent of government getting involved in, like you said, the laissez-faire attitudes. But at this point, when somebody's got a stranglehold like that, and it's our resource that's being developed, the state should step in to say, "Look, they can develop this field. You can make a profit. You Conoco can make a profit on being the middleman on that. But don't be ridiculous at some point. I mean, the state has to have some kind of authority to do that." 
Yeah, several years ago, uh, back maybe in the Parnell administration, the state uh, Department of Natural Resources uh, did a study on shared facilities and what and what how the state should react to shared facilities. Um, and if I recall correctly, that went into how shared facilities should be priced. Um, I don't believe uh, that study ended up in being a report. I don't believe DNR has ever actually uh, uh, used that report uh, in um, in in pushing people to uh, to share facilities uh, up there. It may be time to dust it off uh, um, and and do it again. But there's a there's a hesitancy. I mean, you can understand somebody's invested money uh, to develop a, a, a facility. Uh, they claim that they need unfettered access to that facility, flexibility with that facility to be able to, to be able to, you know, do what they what they build it for, which is to help their investment. Um, and if you let somebody else have access to it, uh, it takes up, you know, it, it impairs your flexibility to it to to, a, to sure. an extent. Uh, and uh, and you argue that uh, you shouldn't want to do that. I, I understand all that, but you know, in the lower forty-eight, here, here's the here's the dissimilarity. The lower forty-eight, they've got county roads, right? Government has built roads that people can get around on. Government has has built infrastructure that people can use to help their development. Uh, on the slope, we haven't done that. Government hasn't done that. It's been done by the by the by the private producers, and and so the question is, how do you how do you give the benefits that you get in the lower 48 by having all of that third party or government built uh, 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 facilities? How do you give the benefit of that to new producers on the slope when the government hasn't made that investment? It's been done by done by private parties. Right. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think there has to be some kind of middle ground where everybody wins there. It shouldn't be a zero sum game. And I think that's the way it's been treated, unfortunately. Um, Brad, any tease for what's uh, coming up here on uh, um, on uh, next week or things you're watching right now? Give us a quick. Uh, we got about two minutes here. Give me a two minute tease here before we. Uh... Well, t- today is release date for the spring revenue forecast, which right. is going to be markedly different than the fall revenue forecast. Even even uh, uh, as oil prices have settled down from the astronomical highs they got to in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're still significantly higher than uh, they were in the fall revenue forecast. So today's going to be a big day in terms of uh, spring revenue forecast numbers, and I'll spend a lot of time uh, uh, looking at those. And then now that we have spring revenue forecast numbers, I think you'll see house finance uh, kick back up uh, and uh, and work on uh, the their budget, the operating budget. I think you'll see Senate finance kick back up. They were just uh, waiting. Your, they were just waiting to budget. see how much more money they were going to be able to play with, right? Well, the Dunleavy administration should spin it into how much more of a PFD they could give. They won't. I mean, they're right. stuck on POMB 50-50 now. But um, it, it, it will be, first of all, Bert will say, I can just hear it now. Bert will say, well, those numbers aren't real. Spring revenue numbers aren't real. Oil prices are artificially up. We're not going to worry about that. We'll, we'll take whatever's left over and put it into savings. So don't, get, don't give me anything about, about increased revenues. Uh, the House, on the other stand, on the other hand, will have pressure from everybody and his brother uh, to increase spending for for their uh, their special category. So it, it, it's a big week coming up in terms of revenues and the knock on effect, uh, both in uh, Senate finance and in House finance. All right. Well, Brad, we'll be watching that, and hopefully, I'm sure we'll have a discussion next week on the uh, 
on what's going on and what the uh, what the spring revenue forecast could bring for us and what it what it bodes for the state moving forward. Um, I mean, again, I'm not uh, I, I fully come to the realization or I guess to the reckoning that uh, that nothing is really going to get done this year. We're going to be stuck exactly where we are. And we're going to have to wait to see what next session brings, what the new election cycle brings. And I think that's what we're kind of stuck at, I think, right now. Well, it looks like it. I mean, House, the House really wants to push through uh, a permanent change to the statute to go to 2575. But as you and I have talked on the show before, I think that's just a messaging bill. If, I, if, it, if it somehow got through the House, somehow got through the Senate, certainly I think the governor vetoes it. Uh, as as part of his campaign strategy, if nothing else. So I think I think mostly that's just a waste of time right now. Well, more uh, bread and circuses, my friend. That's kind of what we got. I appreciate you coming on board. Thanks for being part of it today. Michael, as always, thanks for having, having me. And Zoom worked. Yeah, Zoom worked. We got a little crackly, a little audio stutter, but uh, I think that that will clear up here as we go forward. But at least no volume problems that we could uh, find. Everybody could still hear us, which is important. So thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Uh, all right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is uh, was our guest. Um, and I think, did I get all that? I did. Look at that. Can I kill this? Yes, I can kill that. All right. Excuse me. Yeah, all right. Um, more drunken monkeys, says Donna Ardwin. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the, that's the bad news is that it's more drunken monkeys for sure. All right, we are about uh, 45 seconds out right now from rejoining the radio. We're going to dive back into this here, uh, and we're going to open up the lines with some phone calls. Uh, let's go over here real quick. Who's this? Where are you calling from? That's Jeff from Homer. Okay, Jeff. Hey, All right, Jeff, hold the line. Uh, Jeff is going to be right back with us here in just a second. Uh, we're going to continue the Michael Duke Show Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like this video, share the show, check out the Common Sense Core if you want to help support the show. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Uh, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is the Michael Duke Show and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com. Also available on Facebook if you're out there watching us on Facebook Live, uh, on YouTube, on Twitch TV, 
on the podcast later on, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, Spotify. It is The Michael Duke Show. Good morning, and welcome to the program. We just finished up with Brad Keithley and the weekly top three. Uh, Some good conversations there. Before that, we were talking about some headlines, including talking about the Certificate of Need bill that is in the Senate right now. David Wilson has submitted a bill to repeal the Certificate of Need. And if you don't know about that, it is a, well, it's a pretty regressive piece of legislation that prevents health care choice in the state of Alaska and its various climes. Uh, It was uh, instituted by the federal government back in the 70s and then repealed by the federal government after they discovered that it was anti-competitive in nature. It's just taken many of these states 50 years to even address the issue. Uh, And we're taking some calls on that as well as other things. Jeff is down in Homer. He's going to sound off on this this morning, first things first. Phone lines are open, by the way, at 433-3150 on the Pivotel call-in line. Uh, good morning, Jeff. What's on your mind? Well, I heard you talking about that, that whole deal, and uh, I I know personally a person here in the state who is trying to sue one of the hospitals, one of the bigger ones, and they cannot find a lawyer. I gave her some good contacts and good ways to find contacts, told her how to search for them, and it, she cannot find a lawyer that will take the case. They're all scared of it. Now, this is one of three things. It's either, and it could be all three things. It's either our government, federal government, or big pharma. That's the only thing I can figure that would put that much pressure on a pile of lawyers in a mob mentality to stop lawsuits on a hospital. And it's not just that one. I think it's all hospitals here. From I've gathered a little bit. I'm not positive on all of it, but that one or there's one or two that I'm positive of. So something big's going on there, you know, and it's a mob mentality. There's no question about that, but that seems to be what our government's turning into these days. And uh, it's really not a very fair thing because just what I know about things, it was, uh, you know, it's a case that could be taken. And lawyers tend to, you know, they're like sharks, man, in the water. They, They smell blood. They all start swirling around. And to have lawyers scared, there's something big going on there. So, uh, well, there's a. I, I will tell you, <clears throat> I will tell you that in my past in dealing with, and in fighting for the uh, the suspension of the certificate of need or the revocation of the certificate of need, I mean, I have been chastised, threatened by members of, you know, hospital. Uh, you know, foundation boards and lobbying groups. And I mean, they even say it in the uh, in the ADN article. They even mentioned that, you know, this powerful hospital lobby is going to be one of the voices that fight back, uh, fights back against it. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are they are very, very powerful here in the state of Alaska. There's no uh, there's no doubt about it. It is uh, <clears throat> they are a powerful entity of that. There is no there is no uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, that's a bad one. I was just listening to Brad and you there on the end, and he was talking about the roads up there, you know, that they don't get taxed for it. In the northern north of Maine, they had what they called Seven Islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven Islands was seven of the largest, you know, Scott Paper, International Paper, all these people, they gang together. They owned, they, they controlled most of the land up there, or to cut. 
So what they did was any way into that north woods, they had gates, and all the fishermen, anybody going camp, you know, unless you were going to a lodge that existed before they had it, or one of the small ponds that's uh, Great Ponds Act, you, you had to pay to get in. You know, it was like $7 to go through the gate, and then they had a camper's fee if you were on one of their lakes where there was a campground. And, you know, at first everybody, you'd hear a lot about it, but it got so normal, and people wanted to be up there, and there were hundreds and thousands of people going up there. It's a big patch of woods. And, it, and it, you know, without seven islands, people finally realized, and we had a little bit to do with it, you know, that, hey, uh, you're not going to get here without these people. They built these roads. So it's just a tax. That's all it is. It's a road tax. Right. And it's normal now. People don't say anything about it. They line up, pay their bill, go through. They have their money out. They know what it costs. Right. You know? And, uh, it's like McDonald's, a big cash flow through there. So um, that's a very easy thing to do. I mean, there's a lot of people that go up on that haul road that go hunting and fishing and, and messing around. Uh, of course, anybody that lives up there would be, would I think, like uh, if you were going to the state park, in instance, up to Allagash, um, and you were going to Patty Nugent's and been there forever, you didn't have to pay. You know, you just had to have have a receipt that you were going there, boom, you just went right through the gate, and then there were uh, seasonal passes and all of that stuff. So it worked very well. They they made some money on it, helped them build their roads, and people could hunt, fish, moose hunt, deer hunt, bear hunt, all that stuff. Well, so and I was, uh, and I think the argument I think the argument here, Jeff, is not that they are paying, you know, that not that they were charging a reasonable fee, is that they were charging essentially the same cost that it would be to rebuild those roads. That'd be like saying, sure, you can come in here, but it's not $7, it's $700 to come up here and use yeah, this road. I mean, that's that. that's the point. I mean, they, they they would charge exactly what it would cost to build the infrastructure that you get use of, except for it's one penny less than what it would cost you to build it. And then it just becomes... Uh, then it just becomes, uh, yeah. you know, un, un, unfeasible, you know, to to uh, uh, right. to do that. I, I feel if you did that, then they don't own the road anymore. You're paying for it. So right. we can tell them what to do and put laws on it. And there's no, up there, there's no speed limit. There's no laws. Just get along. Get the heck out of the way of the big trucks coming. You know, they tell you that all. If, you, if you're not familiar with there, anybody goes through there all the time. They don't say nothing to you, you know. Right. And all the loggers, you know, all of us loggers, we had permits anyway, straight in the window. We just drove through the gate. We just slowed down and waved. So um, it was a, it was a, it was a great thing, but it was, you know, it was put on with the state and the, and Seven Islands got together and agreed, yeah, we can charge this much. We don't have to overcharge them, but, you know, we're going to charge for having these people around. And, and they were excellent. If the liberal was in the road or, you know, loading the trucks, had to wait. Uh, but yeah, they'd move it. You know, right. not a problem. I've lived up there and had to move for every sole person that comes along. Everybody's polite and nice. Right. It was a whole different atmosphere. Well, and again, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have a, we, we have the same similar things up here. There is some native land that you have to pay to get, you know, especially if you're like out of Chitna and you're going to go dip netting, there are certain areas where you have to pay to go to get through. And again, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the argument that people don't want to pay. It's when it is priced out so exorbitantly that it makes absolutely no sense to, uh, to do that. Willie in the chat room says accent. Access on stuff like oh, that boy. needs to be priced like a power line from a utility into a new subdivision. It's fair that Conoco gets half its investment back. So, I mean, yeah, I could see that. If it was half the cost of what it would cost to replace or build all that infrastructure, 
even that would make more sense than the cost than than you know right. the same cost less one penny. At least it would make it more uh, economically feasible. Right. Well, the one big thing with with that system too was we had a record of where people were. In one year, we got an early snow and literally thousands of people got trapped up there. And they knew pretty much where they all were, so nobody died. Right. And and any time you know they know what pond you're around or by. If if somebody doesn't show back up, we know where they went. And it was a good safety thing for the uh, warden service that was up there and you know forestry everybody everybody knew where everybody was right so that was right. kind of a good thing we had a log of everybody going in the gates when they if they had left nope they're not up here they're gone they went out the south gate you know right so uh, they came in this and went out that one so it was a great 911 thing uh, uh you know kind of well jeff thank you for your input on that i appreciate it uh, thanks for calling in and joining us uh, we appreciate uh, we appreciate your call. 433-3150 is the Pivotel call in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. If you uh, want to sound off, we've got a couple minutes here before we run out the clock and jump into it with our friend Chris Story. I mean, what's your thought on this? I mean, like I said, I would take the gas tax. Um, I would the gas tax rebate. I mean, yes, will, will somebody else have to be? Yes, it will be taken from somewhere else. But anytime we could suspend any kind of tax, I'm I'm just a principle, just on general knee-jerk principle, uh, I'm in favor of it. Uh, they're going to give us a $1,300 energy rebate or energy bonus or whatever they want to call it. Okay, I'll take it. You know what I would really take though? I would take my full PFD. That's what I would. I would. That's what. That's what it is. I would take a full PFD, and then they could keep the rest of it. They could keep the 13, they could keep the, you know, if I had a full PFD, I mean, again, what we're talking about on the gas tax suspension, $40 per person, 40 bucks a person. Oh, that's a, you know, and how much time are we going to spend on that? Or the $1,300 energy rebate. Okay. we Again, not focusing on the problem at hand. The, the problem at hand is the PFD and the budget. And once we get the PFD off the table, it starts. It stops being the, the you know the the badminton or the what do they what do they call that the shuttle the whiffle. If it's you know once we once we get past that, then we can focus on the real problems that are going to be facing us here in the state of Alaska. That's pretty easy to do once we get past the smoke and mirrors and the uh, the bread and circuses. Let's go back over to the phones real quick before we run out of daylight. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you about getting rid of the gas tax, you know, suspending it at least temporarily. And as far as it coming out of somebody else's pocket, I can't see that it is. The government has a huge, the Alaska government has a huge surplus because of the massive increase in the price of oil. So they're flooded with money. So why not? Uh, make it easy uh, on Alaska's trying to suffer in sticker, sticker shock when they go up to the pump because of Biden. You know, he's partly responsible for all that. So, yeah, if we can lessen the burden on people, why not temporarily? Doesn't doesn't make any sense not to. Well, but and again, in the same in the same effect, if I had my full PFD, I wouldn't worry about any of that. Uh, if I had the $4,200 or whatever it is in change that we're supposed to be getting, then we wouldn't have to worry about the the gas tax or the energy rebate or anything else because we would be flush and we could weather the storm from the post-COVID recession slash, you know, economic crisis days that we've been facing. 
Well, also it was pointed out, you know, or, or I think a, a, a reference was made to the gas tax versus a cut in the PFD as being a tax, but I would point out, of course, that the gas tax is a true tax because that's a true tax means money coming out of my pocket, money that I individually own is coming out of my pocket and going to the government, and that's exactly what a gas tax is, whereas uh, a, a cut in the PFD is uh, not a true tax because the cut does not involve any money that was in my pocket that was individually owned by me. It's just a rhetorical device. But aside from whether we're getting a full PFD or not a full PFD, we're paying a hellacious amount of of uh, money at the pump, you know, just the price of gas. And so I think to lessen that at least a little bit would be a nice thing to do, particularly since the government is flush with money from the high price of oil. And also I'd like to say that I certainly do agree with you and I thank you for reporting about the uh, Certificate of Need news, that bill that uh, Senator Wilson has put forth to get rid of the Certificate of Need. That's a, a very bad government meddling within the private industry. It's like saying, well, this grocery store over here, the government's saying, this grocery store over here, they've invested in, in a big building and shelves and everything and cash registers, and, and they, we need to protect their investments, and we're going to make it illegal to have any other grocery stores try to pop up and compete with them. Well, then, then you'd create a government monopoly, and you can imagine well, that's how much food prices that, that yeah. grocery store that had government protection against competition would charge. That's exactly what we've created is a monopoly uh, on health care uh, in many locations. As Senator Wilson said, we'd have 11 more hospitals, including eight that would be in the bush uh, in rural communities if we had had this. And speaking of uh, taxes versus stealth taxes versus everything else, you know, this, this PFD thing is not unlike your withholding taxes, Randy, where that's your money and you were supposed to get it all, but they withhold a portion of it before it gets to you. This is the same kind of thing we're talking about here uh, in the state of Alaska. It's exactly what's happening. They're withholding, uh, well, a big chunk. Over half of that money is being withheld. So that's a tax pretty much however you line it up. That's what it comes down to. Uh, I got to go. I got more coming up. Uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us here in just a hot minute. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, uh, in the break right now, huge tax. Yes, it's a huge tax. Um, and I, I mean, I love the, I love the intellectual, you know, pretzel that uh, Randy has to twist himself into to try and show that the PFD is not really, is not real. It's not our money. It's not this. It's not that. It's all government money, and it's just, I mean, I mean. That is exactly exactly what uh, what what happens. Um, you know, it's exactly like withholding. They were supposed to give you a thousand dollars, but you only got seven hundred and fifty because they took twenty five percent in taxes right off the bat. That's I mean that is it. That is exactly what's happening here. Only they're taking like sixty five percent of it, so it's exactly the same. 
I'm just, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't make it any clearer for you, my friend. Um, every dollar that goes to the government, says Donna Ardwin, is a tax. Pretty much it. Every dollar they consume is a dollar that could have been in the hands of the private economy. All right. Oh, it's nice and cold this morning. Um, all right. So uh, do me a favor. Uh, like and share. Like and share. Look at that. 20 likes now. 21 likes. Uh, like that. Thank you so much for doing that. 30 people in the chat room, 21 likes. Uh, I can't see what's going on over on YouTube, but I'm assuming that people are liking the video there and sharing it as well. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you hit the subscribe button and ring the bell to get notifications when we go live. That's what it's, uh, that's what it's about. Ringing those, ringing that thing to get notifications when we go live. That's, uh, that's the best way to do it. If you like and follow the Facebook page, you'll get notifications there as well. So then you'll have your pick. You can choose Facebook or you could choose YouTube. Um, and because Facebook, sometimes they're, they're late sometimes on those notifications. They're late. Um, liberals want to build a walking trail so they can go around the corner and find a bunny to hug. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you're talking about that state walking trail that they want to build. I mean, it's great and all, but I mean, how many people are going to walk 800 miles? I'm just asking for a friend, you know, and are they going to charge those people to use that trail? No. Well, then maybe, I mean, if you build it, they will come. I just, I just, I've never, never bought that. Um, I could have bought a bivy stick for all my friends if they paid the full PFD, said Christopher. Yes. Yes, yes, you could. For all of your friends if they paid a full PFD. Oh, man. Absolutely. And you should. You should buy all your friends bivy sticks, especially if you're out there and you go snow machining or hunting or fishing or trapping with anybody. Having this little thing in your pocket will make a huge difference in your peace of mind. We're going to talk about that later, I'm sure. The bivy stick. Turn it on. I, sh- I should turn it on, shouldn't I? All right. Uh, I'm waiting for my Alaska number to get activated so that we could start doing text messages to uh, the show so people can text in on the bivy text line. Look at that. Everything's all working now. Ooh, look at that. It's talking. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to be uh, – we will be uh, – We'll be talking about that here in a little bit. That's going to be that's going to be some cool stuff when we get that done. All right, <clears throat> I believe the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Story, is on the phone. Let's check in with him. Hello, sir. Good morning, Michael. Are you on top of the world? I am. I yeah, I didn't want to go there. I didn't. I wanted. To, I wanted to save something for when we come back. Okay, know? I'm but sorry. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. Where I am. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm just tasting myself. Just just tasting yourself. What? Pacing, pacing. Pacing, because I was thinking that was weird. I mean, cannibalism, especially self-cannibalism, not a thing that I'm a big fan of. I'm just saying. Hey, in times like these, you know. Yeah, in times. Going to the grocery that's store. right. I went to the gas pump and started chewing my fingers off because <laughs> it's an arm and a leg and a finger to get some gasoline around here. Uh, all right, my friend. What are we going to talk about today? Plus, I taste like chicken. You what everything does. Um, um, all you need is all you've got. All you need is all you've got. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back to you here in a hot second. Don't go anywhere. Folks, like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell, check out the uh, Common Sense Core. Let's do it. The Michael Duke Show.
Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska. It's time now to dive into it with our guru of positivity. He is the life coaching, he's the life hacks coach. He he is the Tony Robbins of Alaska. He is Chris Story, the man from Homer. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I just wanted to say thank you, first off, because it it dawned on me the other day that what we need in this world are more people in the media that are reliable. We live in an age of the unreliable narrator, and and that can be from either perspective, far right or far left, uh, propagandist or whatever you want to say, but we live in an age where there's an unreliable narration happening. We can see what's going on with our eyes, but... We're being told something different, and it's just like reading a novel with that plot twist of the unreliable narrator. And I realized in life, uh, in this world of communications, you're one of the very few, like it or not, like what you've got to say or not, you are reliable and you are somebody who shoots straight and seems to be absent in agenda, and I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank Thank you for saying that. That's awful kind of you. Um, all you need is what you've got or all you've got. What, uh, that's, that's, your, that's your theme for today. What, what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking about it, and I've been saying for a long time, in fact, I even have a really amazingly cool little copper coin minted that says, you were born to live on purpose. You were born to live on purpose. And I've been saying that for a long time, and I've been also saying you're born with a purpose and on purpose. And so if that's true, and it is, then how do you go about discovering that purpose? How, how do you go about discovering what it is you're here to do? And, and you may already be on this track, and this may not be for you, but it's for that person there. There's somebody that needs this message. I'm convinced of that. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to share that. So, like, where do you begin? If purpose evades you or you, you feel off track or off purpose, and maybe you once knew where you could feel that in the tuning fork of your own soul or mind, you, you felt a harmony and it's gone or it's maybe a little bit distant from where you are. Uh, you don't have to travel the globe. You don't have to go to a sacred site, although you can and may want to. Right. The reality is wherever the acorn finds itself is where it begins to attract what it is it needs to grow. And without fail, it happens. Nature's laws do not fail. So how big will that tree grow? Well, as tall as it possibly can. And it never stops until it can no longer grow. So that's us, I think. And I think if everything's in, in, in a vibration, everything's in a vibratory state, and that, that might sound a little woo-woo or whatever, but it's very true. It's very uh, scientifically true. It's very provable that everything is vibrating. If we agree on that, your voice is nothing more than a vibration. This radio program coming out of somebody's speaker, it's all the microphone you're speaking into. It's all a series of vibrations. And essentially, whatever you're sending out, be it through your thought or your words or your actions and deeds, is what you're going to get back into the, from the world. 
So if you align yourself in a way that's in harmony with your purpose and your thoughts and your deeds and your what you voice and what you say will begin to attract exactly what you need and you can harness this power. And it's an oversimplification of something that's very complex, but I don't, we don't need to understand it at the molecular level. We just need to practice this, this idea of the vibrations of both, again, thought and words, because I think it's interesting to think about something and then go say something different or do something different. And that's disharmony. When you're thinking, I, this is what I really want to do. I want to put this into the world. I want to do attract this. I want to go here. And then you do not. It's in contrast with itself. And it actually creates anxiety, creates stress in your body and in the world around you. And actually, I think you're doing a disservice to the world. So I have this little way of explaining. I call it suddenly Subaru. And it's a way of explaining the reticular activating system in your mind. Okay. Basically, once you decide to purchase a Subaru, suddenly, by God, you see them everywhere. No, they were always there. But until you decided to buy one, they didn't exist. And the same is true of the path of and your purpose, the path for and towards the purpose of your life and also the purpose. It is there. And with suddenly Subaru in mind, it'll appear. You know, that's an interesting phenomenon because I think we've all experienced that. You know, the minute that we, uh, and cars specifically, you know, oh, we want to get a, you know, we're thinking about upgrading to a new car. What are we looking for? We're looking for this. Uh, My wife at one point thought she wanted a Jeep. And uh, it was amazing over the next few weeks how she said, I saw this Jeep today or I saw this Jeep today. You know, it's like, I'm like, boy, all you see, she goes, yeah, I know there's tons of them. I never even realized it. Uh, that there's all these, you know, and, and it is, it's, we've all experienced that where we want a specific thing and all of a sudden we see it everywhere. It's like the mind is honed in on it. And it was like you were tuning a TV and it was all fuzzy with just kind of that gray fuzz. And all of a sudden something has just come into sharp focus. And now you see it everywhere you go. Your mind is trying to make it work. It's a filter. Our minds filter out. Otherwise we'd go absolutely insane. If the 20 whatever million bits of information coming at us a day um, more. I mean, we would just go absolutely insane. So we have to filter out what it is that's uh, not in our focus or our purview for the moment and what we, what we plan to do. So once you decide, just like suddenly Subaru, once you decide what it is you either want to accomplish, who you want to become, what you want to have, the experiences you want, you're going to suddenly see the path suddenly it's going to become more obvious and you just have to keep tuning that vibratory status in your mind and just keep in harmony with what you think about, what you say is what you bring about. But you have to also add the doing. And the doing is making sure that you're not doing that which is actually in contrast or contrary to what it is you say you want and the purpose that you're here for. And I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel like there's somebody listening to this right now that says, you know what? This is for me. And, but when, and I say now, I, I just had this word on my mind this morning. The word is now. And somebody's supposed to be hearing that now, like right now is right. the time to do what it is in that quiet part of your mind, maybe a haunting feeling you've been pushing down, keeping hidden. I'm here to tell you now, now is the time. Now is your time. Ready or not, here you are. This folds back into what you were talking about a couple of weeks ago. With the uh, with the little pamphlet, it works um, by R- yes. by R J H, um, mm-hmm. which by the way I ended up finding. I mean, I found a copy of it online. Um, 
uh, there's a couple places that have reproduced it when it was out of copyright, and you can download it and read it. And it's a quick little read, and I mean, I'll be honest, I took it to heart. And uh, I've got my little list that I read and I think about, and I try and I try and mm-hmm. you know try and do my best to read at least two or three times a day. Um, but I'm focusing on things differently, and you and you see it as soon as you start focusing on certain things, then your perspective shifts, and you've got to go with it. You've got to understand that. Uh, as you start to think about those things, I mean, I immediately had things start to fall into a certain pattern as soon as I wrote those things down and started to focus on them every day. Um, and I'm not saying that I've gotten everything that I've ever wanted, but I'm certain things, all of a sudden the path has been cleared and things that would lead me to those goals all of a sudden became a lot more noticeable and they became it, the, the path became not so windy and clouded. But it became a lot clearer, you know, which direction I needed to go on certain decisions and what I needed to do. It was pretty amazing. I love that. That is so awesome. I'm I'm still using it myself every single day. I built a list into my calendar so it pops up first thing on my phone in the morning. Um, and I look at it, read it, absorb that. And I think it's interesting that I have also, since impl- employing this this kind of thinking and, and uh, taking these kinds of actions, I keep noticing Michael guides along the way, people that I'm supposed to meet, supposed to interact with, that I otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to cross paths or wouldn't have even been in any sort of harmony with, had it not been for a focused intent and and using these kinds of of thoughts and ideas towards what it is I want to become or uh, attract into my life. And there's these guides that come along and I think, man, I was supposed to meet this person, and I, I never would have. If I kept my mind closed to this concept or idea, I wouldn't have met that guide. And I think you are a guide. I think along the way, each of us has this opportunity to both be guided and be a guide. And I think, how dare you hold that back? How dare you hide under a bushel the light that's been given to you that you were supposed to do, supposed to accomplish, say, and contribute. It doesn't mean each of us are going to be Britney Spears, Michael. Sorry. Um, you may never, you know, be that. But although you could shave your head. Haven't you done that uh, as part of a charity before where you shaved your head or was it your beard? <laughs> I shaved my shade. I've only shaved my beard off once in like 20 years. And boy, was that a mistake. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I immediately became 10 years younger, but uh, nobody needs to see that baby face. You know what I mean? I do. That sounds like a name of a song you might write if you do intend <laughs> to go down that musical path. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think a lot of us mistake, well, I don't want to say mistake, but there's this notion that fame is available to everybody now because of YouTube and because of some of the social media platforms. I, we kind of be, get addicted. I'm reading a book called Unwinding Anxiety by Judson Brewer, and he's both a doctor and a PhD. So it's an interesting perspective on the mind and body and how anxiety riddled we've become and what we can do about it and how social media and this idea of fame and notoriety can play a role in that and play a part in it. But the truth of it is, that's not the aim. Fame isn't the aim. Fame is maybe a byproduct of doing something really well in harmony with a lot of people, but even just a small portion. Uh, one One of my favorite things about going to Ireland was Obviously, it was beautiful. It was amazing meeting the people. I felt at home like no other place I've ever traveled, probably other than maybe one other community in Florida. But I felt at home instantly everywhere I went in that country. And I noticed one thing, too. Every person I met in the service business, 
have been in it for most of their life or their second or third generation in that service business. And they loved it. And they, I just felt like this resonance of purpose with everybody I met. Like they felt like they were living on purpose. It wasn't a placeholder until their manuscript could sell. It wasn't a placeholder until something else happened. They felt very, very on purpose. And I know that a lot of us do as well, but it just felt to me like it was the majority of people I met. And maybe it's just what I was looking for while I was there. Right, your own filter, your own suddenly Subaru yeah. moment. You mm-hmm. were you were looking for that. Well, I can see that. I mean, again, um, the, you know, I, I I've told stories uh, on the program before of you know focusing on certain things and filling my mind and you know the picture of my car wheel and all that kind of stuff and things that later came to pass that I didn't even realize were all connected. Except in hindsight, I lo- am able to look back and see that. But there is a power in the mind, and uh, and you know if you focus on something and you focus on the good and you focus on, you know, spreading your own light and and you know get a, a chief definite purpose, a chief may you know major aim, um, then and you focus on that and it's a you know it's it's for the good, then you know you will you will again you will see that path open up in front of you. I mean it is a it's kind of astonishing really when it starts to happen and you start to see it with that kind of clarity. You're like. Whoa, it's almost like magic. And as you grow a business, it's similar to growing a person, growing a business. What you need today is you're surrounded by what you need for where you are. That doesn't mean as you grow and go through the process of becoming more, having more, accomplishing more, influencing more people, whatever it is, you'll have what you need then when you get there. But to look forward that far and go, but I don't have what I need. No, you have what you need where you are to start right here. And that's the only place you can start is here. And you've got everything you need all around you. You need the people you need, the circumstances you need, and the opportunities, the money, the availability of money or credit or whatever it is, you've got it right here and you can get started right now. But you do have to decide that this is something, this is the path you want to take. And I think until you do make that decision, You'll continue to have roadblocks and stumbling moments, and that. Ah, see, this is yeah, no, this is why I'm not doing it. Once you decide, though, the path will appear and be clear, and the guides will be there along the way as well. Chris Story, the man from Homer, uh, guru, positivity expert, uh, realtor, Potter, and author of the book The Backyard Millionaire, available now on Amazon.com and wherever he else he puts them. Uh, also available on Audible as well uh read as an audible book so you can go out there and listen so is the making of man that you read for us and i just got a note about that the other day michael for the making of man which is a total fiction book i thought it was just pure entertainment pure little thriller mystery book um somebody listened to the audio and said your narration of it and sent me a note that uh absolutely blew my mind about the embedded meaning in the story that i had no clue that they discovered, and I agreed with them, uh, that it was very personal to them. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So thank you for that incredible narration. Also, now, I'm not trying to plug the making of man, but if you want a good thrill ride, go listen to that. Michael did an amazing job. I love doing it. I love the, I love the story, and I can't wait to find out more about what Jacob Mann is going to do in the future, I'll be honest with you. Um, cause I, I really, I really enjoyed reading that, uh, reading, uh, narrating that book for sure. Performing it. That's what the word I was looking for. Chris, (laughs) I love homeralaska.com is his website. My friend, as always, it is a true pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for coming on board this morning and uh, being part of it with us. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Michael. My privilege. All right, Chris Story, the man from Homer, winds things up here. Oh, I didn't change the screen, did I? Oh, well. All right, we are going to continue here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more, your phone calls, and everything else as we wrap things up right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Hey, I found where the setting was where I could start to see some other stuff. Five shares. Only five of you have shared the show today. Why do you hate me? Why? Why Why do you hate me? I mean, at least share the show and mock me. Look at this Nimrod. Watch this Nimrod. This idiot. This buffoon. I mean, you could at least share it and mock me. That would at least be a share. Worth, worth, worth having. And you guys got real quiet. You guys got real quiet. Uh, Heather uh, said in the chat room, she said, I need to find that again. And she's talking about, I think, that purpose and that feeling that Chris was talking about for those people in Ireland who had a love of what they did. They found they found fulfillment in what they did. Uh, she said, I need to find that again. I lost it due to COVID. The booths are not just the same. Heather, uh, per, she's a creator. She's a she's an artist and a craftswoman, and she creates stuff for uh, – for like fairs and and art shows and trade fairs and things like that. And she says it's just not the same. And I understand that. Uh, You know, I mean, COVID's changed a lot of things, Um, including our own attitude towards what we do. And it can be difficult. It it can be difficult. David said our passion is politics. I, I used to be like you, David. Politics was my passion in a lot of ways. Um, it's not anymore. Politics is not my passion anymore. Politics is an interest, but it's not something that I'm dyed in the wool passionate about. Um, for a variety of reasons, mainly because, you know, except they're on the local level or the state level, I can't really affect them. Uh, second of all, because they are so amorphous and, and quite honestly, it's, uh, I don't know. It just, it didn't bring me joy. It did not bring me joy. Trying to make a change in the world, that brings me joy. Brings me joy. But the uh, the rest of it, um, no, I mean, my, my passion now is, uh, you know, for my, is for my family, time spent with them, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, doing well in my art. And my art is in... Uh, my art is in voice acting. That's my that's my craft. I mean, if somebody said, well, what do you do for a living? The first thing I would say is that I'm a voice actor. Uh, second thing that I would say is that I also host a radio show. But um, that's, really, that's really where my passion goes. I want to do the best. I want to be the best that I can be and to make everything that I read uniquely me. 
you know, bring a bring a unique perspective to it. Um, I I find that very interesting. At one point, I thought that I wanted to. Uh, at one point, my thought was is that I wanted to do, uh, you know, be an audiobook narrator full time. That I thought that that would be, but it turns out that um, while I do enjoy doing audiobooks from time to time, and for certain people. That um, what I really enjoy is the shorter projects. You know, um, that's what I really enjoy. The shorter projects, the commercial projects, the e-learning, the, uh, you know, the explainer videos, the scientific stuff. I do a lot of, I have a contract with a company that I do a lot of scientific explanation videos for medical stuff. And I find it fascinating. And um, I always think that maybe somebody, some patient somewhere is watching a video of me talking about how a medicine works in what they're using. And it's just, you know, in my mind, I'm like I'm trying to be comforting and assertive and, and informative at the same time. So whatever it is, I didn't mean to sidebar there. But whatever your passion is, that's, that's where you need to lead into it and write it down. Write down what it is that you want to achieve and look at it every day. That's the key. Focusing your little brain on that stuff. All right. Gesundheit. Debbie says she shared just for me. Thank you, Debbie, for sharing just for me. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you to do that. Uh, Like and share. Like and follow this video, or like and follow the show page as well, if you want to do that. Heather says her, her nine-year-old loves my voice acting. <laughs> I'm very glad I could oblige. That's all I say. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, en- I enjoy it as well. I enjoy it as well. All right, 25 seconds out. We're going to uh, jump onto the phones. It looks like we've got a phone call here, first thing out of the gate. So we'll talk to the uh, we'll talk to the listener there, and then we'll just see where the morning takes us. How about that? Uh, like and follow the uh, show page. Like and uh, subscribe, and subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's get this done. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show. All right, welcome back to the program. (laughs) Thanks for coming in and joining us. Oh, Chris always puts me in a very thoughtful mindset. Very, I always, you know, whenever, during the break after Chris is done, we're always, I'm always thinking deep thoughts. Deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Uh, That's where I'm always at. I'm always into the deep thoughts section after I get done with Chris. There's always something good and interesting there. Uh, But this is one final segment of the show today. Now, coming up tomorrow, uh, fingers crossed, we're going to have Edie Grunewald on. And I'm working on, I just got notification this morning or late, I guess it was late last night while I was asleep, 
Mike Shower will not be joining us this week. He's going to be doing some traveling, and then he has a meeting. And so he will not be joining us on Thursday like I supposed. So we're working on Edie Grunewald, uh, Jonathan Christ Tompkins. Uh, Scott Kawasaki is going to be on the program on Thursday to talk about the new um, uh, the new debate over the PFD. That should be interesting. And um, we'll be... We'll be, we'll be talking about those things. So that's what's coming up uh, later on this week. Uh, but I want to get back to the phones, and so let's go over there. Somebody's been on hold for a minute, and we will get their thoughts as we get ready to wrap things up for the day. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Carlene in Kodiak. Well, good morning, my dear. How are you? Good morning. Excellent. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm responding to Keith Brad to Brad Keithley's uh, story about Conical Phillips uh-huh. and the cost of the line less one penny. It sounds like a conundrum, but GCI and ECS did just about the same thing. GCI came into this state; they didn't have anything, and they leased and rented um, cable and satellites and cell phone towers equipment. Uh, from ACS who maintained everything and ACS had lines to houses in all of the villages. And then um, now GCI is the dominant one in the state. ACS is kind of rigid, but with this um, cost less one penny, it sounds like smart uh, business and it sounds like it's just a beginning point for negotiations. And I really feel like GCI exploited ECS, um, that I can't afford ECS. Right. I, I called, my telephone is like $54 a month, but that's unlimited long distance. And my daughter lives out of state. Right. So um, GCI is unlimited long distance, but ACS, it would be the same price for a landline. And then I don't know what they charge per minute. Right. So it just um, and GCI didn't invest in any structure or anything. Right. And um, but they, I mean, they did pay. I think they paid a fair market value for it. I mean, it was not the cost of the line of constructing new lines less a penny. Uh, I'm not. I'm not advocating. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating that somebody like Conoco give their stuff away for free by any mean. You know, strange stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Willie, you know, treat it like a utility that they have to pay 50% of the investment cost to utilize the line. That would make sense. Um, And, uh, you know, yeah, I think that and I think GCI being dominant has a lot more to do with uh, their business model, government contracts and a lot of other things. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's got to be there's got to be some reciprocation in those kind of things when something like that is built out. Yes, and Alaska Public Utilities Commission was involved. Um, I guess it's just something to learning thing. I talked with um, our Native Corporations attorney, uh, is also attorney for GCI, and I had read in the newspaper that GCI and ACS had merged, and I asked, how was that going? And she said it was like a forced marriage. <laughs> um, but. It's just a, kind of a conundrum, you know. Yeah. Um, it would take a lot of wisdom to and work, a yeah. lot of time and work. No, absolutely. 
Uh, I mean, and again, I think the North Slope thing is is that look, that's our resource. We want it to de- to be developed. We want to receive the, you know, the royalties for developing that, getting that oil out of the ground, contributing to the nation's uh, energy needs and things like that. So there's there's got to be a sweet spot in there. You know, while I understand that Conoco has built it and they want to have the flexibility of the access and easy to use it, there has to be some kind of accommodation that can be made since they are on our land and pumping our oil to be able to do that. And like I said, I'm not saying they don't get, they don't make money. They need to make money on it. That's that's the point of business. But to make it so that it essentially, you know, a, a, another business would have to build a completely parallel identical system to get stuff uh, into the into the pipe. That's uh, you know again, it, it seems counterproductive in the long run. And our pipe isn't full. Our pipe right. is just like a third. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we should be getting that pipe as full as we can. That would be the whole point. So, all right, Carlene. Well, it's good to hear from you, my dear. Thank you for calling in. As always, we love talking to you. God bless you. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, all right, folks, uh, we're coming down to the wire here. we got just a couple minutes left, and I've got a minute or two to talk about one of our sponsors, and that would be the Bivy Stick, B-I-V-Y, the Bivy Stick. What is it? Well, it's a little tiny gadget, gadget that hooks up to your cell phone via Bluetooth. You download the app from the App Store. And you connect to this little device, and it turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device. It allows you to send text messages or emails over the Iridium satellite system. And that means no matter where you are in the world, if you could see the sky, because the Iridium network stretches pretty much pole to pole all over the top, this is the device that allows you to speak to anyone anywhere in the world. The best part about it is that it, its price point is $199, $199, and they have a subscription plan as low as $14 a month. I like to call that the safety plan. So if you just want to have the you just want to have the bivy stick in case of an absolute emergency, you can get the emergency plan. If you don't use the monthly credits for texts and messages, you can those will roll over. Those roll over to to create a bank for you to use anytime you want. And it is unlimited connectivity anywhere in the world. It also allows you to broadcast your location. So you can push a button and it's a check-in button that you set the little message for to say, hey, I'm okay or whatever. And it gives your location and tells people where you are. It's also got a little button on it, a little red button that if you set it up right and push, it will send a text message or an email to those that are looking out for you that says, hey, I've, I'm hurt. I'm fallen and I can't get up. I need help. Here's where I'm at. And in today's you know world where everybody's got a cell phone, cellular congestion and everything else, having this would make a ton of sense, no matter who you are. Find out more at SatelliteWest.com. Just click on the Bivy logo or go to one of their dealers around the state of Alaska, including Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit, and Communications North in Seward. Folks, we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. 
Well, my friends, I guess that's it. You guys got awful quiet there at the end of the show today. I don't know why. It's uh, it's Vivi. Vivi. Stick. Stick. There you go. Vivi. Stick. All right. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Live well. Love one another. Be kind. We'll see you then. We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.